Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 22 on the danger of the already haves as we study the way that God kept Abraham dependent upon communicating with him for future instructions. Now, we've been offering this past month with Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program a wonderful DVD tour of his creation museum that he owns and operates, the Creation and Earth History Museum. And again, the DVD covers the six days of creation and the seventh when God rested, and it features leading scientists as well as Tom Cantor speaking on this wonderful instructional DVD. You'll enjoy it. And we'll also include as a bonus this month, again for this last week of this offer, the Ice Age and Flood book that asks the question, does science really show millions of years? So we'll include that book and the DVD, all for a donation of $20 or more. We'll send you these resources And it is the last week to take advantage of getting these two resources. So again, for a donation of $20 or more, call us right now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Or to support this Bible teaching radio program, go online to friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, teaching us how God kept Abraham dependent upon him for future instructions. Let's uh, turn in your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 21 as we get ready to continue our study. So, first of all, let's look to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for, again, being the God of Abraham. And thank you, Lord, that we can say from our hearts, Hail Abraham's God and mine. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Genesis 22, 1, okay, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men or servants with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham said unto his young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. They came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, or on it, and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son, The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the son, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know, or I perceive, that thou fearest God, or that you are a God-fearer, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns, And Abraham went and took the ram, offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, or Jehovah will see. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, 
thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, or will bless themselves, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young man, and they rose up, went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt, or dwelt still longer, Beersheba. Now, We saw in our last lesson, our last study, how God told Abraham in verse 2 these very important words when he said to him, Take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And we focused on that. We took a look at that, at how God only told Abraham that he was to go to this area, this region, this land of Moriah, to one of the mountains that God would tell him of. And that last phrase in verse 2 just captivated us, and we studied it, and we focused on it. We found it so interesting because it tells us so much about God and ourselves. We see in verse 2 that God told Abraham to take Isaac. We see in verse 2 that God told Abraham that he was to start walking with Isaac on a three-day journey into this land or this region of Moriah. And we see in verse 2 that God told Abraham that he was to take everything that he needed with him in order to make Isaac a burnt offering. And these were very explicit directions that God had gave to Abraham. And nothing was left for Abraham to second guess or to decide on himself. Everything was decided by God. And Abraham was just to obey the clear instructions that God gave him. So we can picture Abraham, we sit back and we picture and look at Abraham in verse 2, and we can imagine how Abraham is making it a checklist. And everything that God has ordered him to do, okay, take Isaac, check. Take the knife, check. Take the wood, check. Cut the wood, check. Take the fire, check. Go to the land in the region, head off in the land of the region of Moriah, check. And then God says at the end of verse 2, go to one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. Now, how do you put a check mark on that? To one of the mountains that I will tell thee of? Everything else is so explicit. How am I supposed to put a check by that? So God was so specific in telling Abraham, don't forget this, don't forget that, and everything you're supposed to do, be careful you follow it exactly the way I want you to do it, God says to Abraham. Why, with all of that, did God leave Abraham hanging on these last three days without identifying the mountain, saying to him, you know, God was giving to Abraham all those instructions he was to do. Why did God say, no, it's going to be this mountain? Or why did he say it that way? But really, that's the most important instruction as to which mountain God was going to have Abraham offer Isaac. It was the most important instruction that God gave to Abraham when he says, it's going to be on one of the mountains that I'll tell you about later. And at that end of verse 2, Abraham could have stopped God right there, and he could have sit there and said, wait a minute, I don't understand. You gave me explicit directions, you say, the Isaac, the wood, the fire, the head in this direction. Then you stop short. You tell me it's going to be the region. You don't tell me which mountain. Why don't you tell me now which mountain? You know, I'm a little familiar with Moriah. You could say, you know, between the two mountains, that one there, you'll find it. If Abraham would have said that to God, then God might have replied, nope. Abraham, I'm not telling you now which mountain it's going to be. And Abraham would have said, why not? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to put down my checklist? And God would have said, for the mountain 
you are to go to, you write down on your checklist, Mountain TBS, yeah? <laughs> which is not Trinity Broadcast System. Yeah? It says Mountain, <laughs> Mountain to be shown. You know? In reality, that last instruction, Mountain TBS, is the most important instruction on Abraham's list. Now, why do I say that? Because you see how important that last instruction is, Mountain TBS, was we have to focus on these words that God says in, in, in verse 2, where he says, offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, and then these all-important words, which I will tell thee of later. I will tell thee. This is very important words. God is saying, you go to one of the mountains, the last instruction on it says, you know, he puts all this checklist, and, and he's got the end there, that God's going to show me the mountain, mountain TBS, to be shown. And so, in essence, that last instruction is saying to Abraham, Abraham, stay tuned to God. Stay tuned to God. So he's checking off all of his things, and he gets to the end, and he says, stay tuned to God, and he says, check, I'm tuned into God. I'm listening to God. That last instruction, stay tuned to God, is the most important instruction for Abraham. Abraham was in the danger, and he didn't even know it, of the danger of what we could call the already haves. He was in the danger of already haves, and he didn't even know it. You see, Abraham was in a danger like this. He was in a danger, and he wasn't aware of it. He could say, well, okay, I already have Isaac, check. So why do I need God? I already have the fire, check. So why do I need God for this? All right, I already have the wood, check. What do I need God for? All right, I have a wood cut, check. I know the place, the region I'm going to, check. And Abraham could have very easily become all wrapped up in his already haves of his checklist of doing God's will and be in danger of, I don't need God. You'd be in danger of, you don't not need, I don't need God anymore. And so to keep Abraham from not needing God, God gives him this last instruction, which is essentially saying, you have to stay tuned to me. Stay tuned to me to get the last instruction. It's all about the dangers of the already-haves. That's what the end of verse 2 is really telling us. It's all about Abraham's danger of already-have. See, like Abraham, like us, we can be so wrapped up in doing the will of God that we don't realize how much danger we're in of not needing God because of our already-haves. See, the end of verse 2 is a warning for us. It's saying to us, you are in danger of not needing God from your already-haves. We already have our salvation to meet our need of security. So why do I need God? We already have our Bible to meet our need for truth and to make us spiritually strong. So why then do I need God? We already have our church here, our fellowship, to meet our need for companionship, for fellowship, for camaraderie. We already have that. So why then do I need God? We already have our Christian music to entertain us, our need for entertainment. Why do we need God? We already have our minds and our memories to meet the need to create and teach Bible lessons and preach Bible sermons. So why do I need God? We already have our Christian spouses and our Christian friends to meet our need for companionship. So why do I need God? We already have our Christian homes to meet our need for a sanctuary of love and acceptance in the world. So why do I need God? We already have our health to meet our need for our strength. So why do we need God? See, the more already haves that we have, the less we need God. And we are so full. We get so full of our already haves that we don't realize how much danger we're in of not needing God. See, everything can run and operate without God. Our lives can operate without God. Our churches can operate without God. Everything, services, one, two, three. What do we need God for? Because without even knowing, we're in this great danger of the already-haves of not needing God. 
And this not knowing how great a danger he already has puts a Christian in is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ warned the Laodicean Christians of in Revelation 3.17-20 when he said, Because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I have need of nothing. In other words, I don't need God. And then he says, And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee, buy of me gold tried in the fire, thou mayest be rich. White raiment, thou mayest be clothed, that thy shame of thy nakedness uh, do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with thy salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. How could there be such a disconnect between perception and reality? How is that possible that they could perceive themselves to be absolutely not in sync with reality? How could self-perception of these Christians in the Church of Laodicea be so out of touch with reality? Their self-perception was, we're rich. Increased with goods. Reality, they were poor. Their self-perception was, we're in need of nothing. Reality, they were in great need of the Lord Jesus Christ, but because they were wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. That's a sad picture in Revelations 3.20 of the Lord Jesus Christ standing there and knocking on a door that won't open to him. And he's outside the door. And inside of the wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked hearts, and they don't answer. They won't open. Why won't they open the door? Because of what they said in Revelation 3.17. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing. Because they said, I have need of nothing. I don't need God. They said, I don't need God. They said, I already have. I already have my goods and so forth. So why do I need God? That was Abraham's danger. So God left Abraham with a need to know which mountain he was to go to. And Abraham would need God to show him. So God's saying to Abraham, you stay tuned to me, Abraham. That's our danger. Sometimes, sometimes God takes away the, what we already have so that we need God and we stay tuned to God. So with his last instruction in verse 2, we can see Abraham, he has, he's walking over his checklist, walking along. He's going over his checklist. He says, let's see, I have, I have Isaac, check. Okay, now I've got the fire, check. Okay, I've got the wood, check. I've got the wood cut, check. I've set off in the right direction, check. But for the mountain, I have to keep on asking, is this the mountain, Lord? Is this the mountain, Lord? Is that it over there? Is that over there? I've got to stay tuned to God. See, there's a, this is a very important thing with this last part here. It's not God trying to be nebulous. It's not God trying to play games with Abraham. You know, Abraham is tense this time. And there's another reason. There's another reason why God told Abraham that he'd have to be shown where the mountain was. It was really tempting for Abraham to think as he walked there, maybe God didn't really tell me that I was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. Maybe his mind could play some tricks on him. I mean, you know, he could say, you know, I'm, maybe, I'm not sure. Maybe it was like a bad dream or something. You know? So Abraham might think that maybe he just came up with all this sacrifice in his overzealousness to be devoted to God. So as a result, God keeps him in constant communication with him. The line's not to be broken. He'd understand this is 100% from God. Every detail is 100% from God. And even the mountain, I'm going to choose the mountain. You stay tuned to me all the time. And that'll be a confirmation to you that all these instructions have come from God. We'll continue with our dynamic Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on the Friendship with God radio program in just a moment. 
we want to offer you an opportunity to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that will help start out your morning every morning. It'll come right to your cell phone or to your email account. You can sign up online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. And if you're enjoying this Bible teaching radio program, we'd like to encourage you to support it monthly or with a one-time donation by going online to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Sign up online and donate or call us now or after the program with your support at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on the Friendship with God radio program, continuing our study from Genesis chapter 22 on how God kept Abraham dependent upon communicating with him for future instructions. And the same is true of the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand every detail about his sacrifice was determined by God the Father. It was determined by God the Father. Everything, location, hill, where he'd be sacrificed, Daniel 9, 25, 26, Know therefore understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, Unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and three score two weeks. The streets shall be built again. The wall, even in troublous times, Roman time were troublous times, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, and not for himself, for the people, the prince shall come to destroy, etc. Now, so we see here in verses 3, as we come now, verse 3 and 4, that Abraham starts out on his journey, and he's walking as it says there, and he starts out, he's heard the instruction in verse 2, take now thy son, thine only son, whom thou lovest, Isaac, and uh, get thee into the land of uh, Moriah. Offer him there. But it's not until the third day that God shows him the mountain. See, verse 4. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. So there were three long days for Abraham. And the question is, how did he do it? How did Abraham do it? That's what we want to ask ourselves. I mean... How was Abraham able to not go crazy during these three days of extreme stress? I'm building a very close relationship with my only son, and I'm thinking to myself, I have to kill him and burn him. So how does he do that? Those were the hardest three days in Abraham's life. How does he keep from just melting into a nervous puddle of anxiety over it all? How do he do that? That's a good question for us. We get faced with these things also. The key to knowing how Abraham was not consumed with the anxiety of all this is seen in verse 3. Now, verse 3, when you look at verse 3, it's kind of a remarkable verse because it's a verse of, like, details, details, details. You know, it's talking about saddling the ass and getting the wood and things like that. And he'd say to us, why are we reading this? You know, there's so much detail here in verse 3. I mean, Abraham has just heard the most shocking news he'll ever hear in his life. You know, you go kill and burn your son. That's shocking. And what Abraham did, and what is described for us of what he did in verse 3, it teaches us how to receive shocking news. See, it's this detailed description here of exactly what he did. Look what it says. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddles his ass, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son. Now we're watching him cut the wood. Is that important for us to know that Abraham cut the wood in such a shocking news? But it's what it says. And he rose up, and he goes to the place that God told him. See, what this is showing us is that in verse 3, with all the waves of anxiety and terror beating against Abraham, 
we see Abraham not yielding to those waves, but instead we see Abraham focused on what he needed to do that day. He was focused on what he needed to do that day. We see Abraham saying to himself, okay, I know that I've got a three-day journey in front of me, and I intend to obey God and kill and burn my son up. And that thought about the future has the potential to drive me crazy, to put me out of my mind. I could have a nervous breakdown over this. I have tachycardia and every kind of fibrillation there might be. That's going to be. And so I'm not going to think about the future right now, verse 3 is telling us. I'm going to stay focused on what I need to do now. And so right now, I'm not going to let my mind run wild into the future, into the terrors of the future, into the fears of the future. Right now, I need a donkey. <laughs> so, all right. So I got my focus, my attention to go pick out the donkey. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm going to resist thinking about the future. Right now, I need a saddle. I need to saddle the donkey. So I'm saddling my donkey. That's why this detail is given for us here in verse 3. Right now, I'm not going to think about what's life going to be like without Isaac. Right now, I need to go find two young men. And so that's what we see him doing in verse 3. Okay, right now, I could be overwhelmed with the fear of how am I going to do it? How am I going to plunge the knife into my son, cut his throat, burn him up? How am I going to do that? No, I'm not going to think about that. Right now, I need a knife. I got to go get a knife. Right now, I need wood. I got to go get wood. Right now, I need to cut wood. I'll cut the wood. See, there's a marvelous teaching for us in verse 3, and it's showing us what to do when we in our lives get this shocking news where we want to say, oh, no. You know, what are you supposed to do when you get the news? You've got cancer. Or you get the news, this, the loved one has, is sick, he's going to die, or he's died. What are you supposed to do? Verse 3 shows us what to do. Stay the course. Do what needs to be done. Don't worry about the future. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew six thirty four. he says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient, he said, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And so what he's saying in Matthew 6.34, he says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry or be anxious about tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Tomorrow will have its own set, he's going to say, I guarantee you. <laughs> It'll have its own set of worries and anxieties. He said, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. See, we've got to focus on that word sufficient. Think about that word sufficient. Think of a Jewish mother. And the Jewish mother says, Sufficient! Enough already. <laughs> I'll say, what? Today's troubles and anxieties are not sufficient for you? What's the matter with you? You have to go and borrow some of tomorrow's anxieties and worries because you don't have enough for today? It's enough for you. Sufficient already. Another great exhortation and an encouraging message from Tom Cantor telling us not to worry or be anxious about tomorrow as we were learning about Abraham being instructed by God in Genesis chapter 22. Now, if you enjoyed Tom Cantor's teaching, the Old Testament teaching uh, from Tom Cantor in the Friendship with God radio program, we'd like to encourage you to go online to friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can download all of the messages for free listening and free download all there at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also sign up on your iPhone or with your iTunes account for the Friendship with God podcast, again, available at iTunes.com and just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you enjoy the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, we want to encourage you to be a supporter. 
and donate to support this Bible teaching radio program and to encourage you with your donation of $20 or more. We have our last week of this offer, two great offers, a DVD tour of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California that covers the six days of creation and the seventh when God rested. And this tour is conducted by leading scientists and creationists. And our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is one of those scientists and Bible teacher and creationists speaking on this DVD. And Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher and radio host, is a creationist and a scientist who is also teaching and speaking on this DVD. It's a tremendous educational resource, Bible resource, scriptural resource, that will show you about God's creation from the book of Genesis. And it's a great tour of the Creation and Earth History Museum here in Santee, California, that Tom Cantor owns and operates. Now, we'll also include with this month's resource a great book on the Ice Age and the Flood and ask us the question, does science show millions of years? It's a great book that will show you how the Bible and science both explain the Ice Age and a young earth as the scriptures proclaim. Now, these resources will help you take a journey back through time. And if you'd like a copy of the Six Days of Creation Teaching and the Ice Age Flood Book. It's yours for a donation of $20 or more, which helps to support this Bible teaching radio program, Friendship with God. So call us now and help us to stay on the air broadcasting at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. Get these great resources, two of them, for a donation of $20 or more by your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And for more information about Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, go online to friendshipwithgod.org or again, call us for more information at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Again, the last week to get these two great resources, a DVD on the Six Days of Creation and the Ice Age book, 800-247-3051. Or again, go to friendshipwithgod.org to donate and support this Bible teaching radio program.